Hi everyone, this is Dave Wright and welcome to the Player Development Project podcast. I hope you're having a top week working with your players. Now before we get into today's discussion, a quick recap of some of the recent work we've published on playerdevelopmentproject.com. It's been a huge month in terms of practical content at PDP and the month of February was almost entirely dedicated to publishing live sessions from Melbourne Victory. Now we released three practices from a session with their under 20 group at the end of 2019 and we've also released a full version of this practice so you can see the context of the whole session. We've also recently published a new masterclass discussion with Auckland Aces cricket coach Henrik Milan. If you haven't watched the full conversation, I highly recommend it. I was lucky to spend a day with the Auckland cricket team recently, observing their preparation and practice for a recent first-class game, and it was fantastic to see Henrik's approach brought to life with a group of top professional cricketers. This interview will give you a great insight into a high-performance environment from someone who's really walking the walk in coaching. Our latest content is a new Q&A discussion with myself and PDP technical advisor Dan Wright, which features on today's podcast. Now, this conversation is on the benefits of multiple sports in players' development. Today's question is, should my players play multiple sports? And Dan and I discuss the merits of this, the topic of specialization and skill acquisition, among other things. If you've got thoughts or views on this topic, feel free to comment on the website or get in touch with us via email or on our social channels. We've got some more great content coming soon in the form of online learning modules and more practical content, as well as plenty more masterclass discussions with top experts. If you haven't signed up to become a PDP member, remember you can choose from a range of membership options at playerdevelopmentproject.com to suit you as an individual coach or support your club. When you sign up, you'll get access to a massive library of content as well as our online Slack community. Thanks for tuning in today, and I really hope you enjoy the discussion. Hi everyone, my name is Dave Wright and welcome to another Player Development Project Q&A. Once again, I'm joined by PDP Technical Advisor Dan Wright. Dan, how are you? I'm very well, thank you mate. How are you going? I'm good, I'm good. Looking forward to a really interesting question today and it's one that you know we've covered a little bit in the past with some content, uh, but an interesting one that's come in via Twitter and it's coming from Stuart and he said, I coach under 12 footballers and he has a player that wants to play rugby as well as football. How should I manage this situation? So Dan, it's a topic around this really interesting debate in talent development around specialization. What are your first thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think this is another kind of uh, real life question. We get um, kids playing loads of different sports or school sports or maybe you know um, being pressurized or squashed for their time and being dragged in different spaces. So. It can be a challenge for the for the coach or for the player or even the parents, like making choices about which which club or which coach to disappoint. Um, I think there's loads of different ways we could take this conversation. We could talk about kind of early sampling or early specialisation or the benefits of multi-sport. So um, yeah, the, the, there's loads of different ways to take this. But my, my quick snapshot would be kids playing loads of different sports is good. That would yeah. be my, my quick answer. How about for you? Yeah, look, I tend to agree. I think, um, especially at the age group we're talking about, I don't think there's any rush at this point to be making decisions. Excuse me. I think at the same time, um, we have to appreciate that at some point in the journey, players will make decisions. But there is more and more research coming to the fore that early talent is not necessarily an indicator of long-term success. Now, I've had this conversation with the likes of Nick Levitt before in a masterclass we've done on talent development, where I think the topic of uh, different sports have different sort of ages that Um, their peak athletes might perform at. So take gymnastics, for example. That's not a sport you're going to see a huge amount of 30-year-olds playing. 
So therefore, they might have to specialize a little bit younger in terms of that choice of sport uh, if they're going to go down that pathway. Whereas sports like football, rugby, uh, cricket, perhaps more traditional sports um, and team sports, maybe there's a little bit more time. Um, another example of that is I remember interviewing Brad Guzan for PDP Magazine a couple of years back and obviously played in the Premier League, a goalkeeper at the highest level, played international football. Talked about how he played basketball until the age of 15 or 16. Didn't really make that decision to commit to football until then. So, yeah, short answer at the start of this is that at under 12s, I think having those uh, experiences in different sports and the transfer of skills from one to the other is a real positive, particularly around uh, movement and, and uh, sort of evasion and, and the speed thing as well, which might come out in rugby. There'll be different skills which come out of that game which can be applied to football and vice versa. So the upside is pretty good for me at this age, but lots to consider. What are, what are some of your experiences uh, in coaching in terms of perhaps using multiple sports or, or seeing how this can impact in a positive or, or even a negative way? Yeah, I think um, what you're seeing in the UK is, is more and more kind of football clubs, especially professional football clubs, um, adopting multi-sport for the reasons that you talked about. Mm. So maybe, um, yeah, and, and I mentioned it kind of in my first answer, that the, the kids are specializing too early so so the difference between early sampling and early specialization early sampling would be trying the sport at a young age and we, we probably want to keep that funnel quite wide so maybe trying three or four different things uh, and early specialization would be you know age five or six saying i'm a footballer and i only do football and then and then um i think probably due to kind of the the trend or fad that you know the more you do the better you get that ten thousand hour rule that the people kind of adopted and went with um, meant that people were only doing football yeah. and so what they were finding was was maybe that kids were getting injuries through doing too much of the same movements uh, kids were missing out on probably stuff that you know you and I are going to sound old here but the stuff that we would have done maybe informal play of you know climbing trees and mm. jumping rivers and all those kind of things but also that kind of um, opportunity to play different sports so I know kind of with your upbringing you would have played more different sports than I did and so the, the football clubs are bringing in the multi-sport to kind of, I suppose, increase that physical literacy uh, and those fundamental movement skills, you know, that, that jumping, landing, rolling, stopping, starting, that, that is beneficial to any sport. And by playing different sports, the kids, the kids might get maybe similar or different movements. And then there's also that kind of concept of donor sports, so sports that you can play that might help you um, tactically play another sport. So basketball is a good example, and there's been some stuff written about um, in the Spanish game, that basketball might be seen as a second sport in Spain, and there's a lot of link maybe to how you play basketball to how the Spanish would play football. So kind of that short passing, uh, very quick, transitional. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, there's, the, there's lots in that. And um, I think, yeah, to kind of move the conversation on, the, the social benefits are worth talking about as well, of, of not maybe playing in or being in one circle of friends or one, one kind of circle of people all the time. You got, mm. you got any kind of... Um, opinion on that yeah interestingly i saw an interview recently with a former new zealand well actually i believe she's just come back out of retirement a new zealand international hockey player called Gemma mccaw uh who you know she spoke in this particular interview around the fact that growing up she actually chose to play in the second 11 in hockey despite the fact that was her strongest sport because it was where she could go and play her hockey at school without the pressure of first eleven or being in that performance environment while she still played football. Now, she ended up being an international hockey player, going to the Olympics and having great success. But she waited as long as she could to really, really get serious with it because 
she knew there was expectation on her when she go out and perform uh, in those kind of school school groups or representative groups. And she was still playing rep hockey, but at school she just wanted to play it for fun. So she was able to blend her experience. I think I think it's one of those as well where you look at uh, different codes and the benefits. We talked about transferable skills, but. When, when a player at this age comes to you and says, look, I still want to do this, I don't think we should take it away from them. I think there's a, you know, there's a huge benefit in going and experiencing these different things. And I actually coached a player in an academy set up who was still playing rugby at school at a similar age to this. And the benefits that I saw in this were that he was physically very, very rarely was he intimidated in a game of football because he was used to the contact and the, the physical challenge of rugby was a very, very fierce defender, uh, great desire to defend and really uh, had, a, had a little bit of character about him, which I thought, again, that may not just come from rugby, but it was something that this particular child had in terms of their attributes. So I think the upside of um, kids sampling and also their various environments, whatever your culture is, kids are going to be exposed to different things. So you talked about the difference between growing up in the UK, perhaps to growing up in New Zealand. You know, we, we grew up playing every sport under the sun all day as long as we could because we were just outside a lot. Whereas people talk a lot in the UK about the death of street football and the fact that, you know, kids can't go and kick a ball against the wall because there's a sign saying don't kick a ball against the wall in the council estate. All of these kind of um, sad stories you hear about contemporary society and the de de uh, damage that screens are doing and, and I guess that less informal play the more those children for me, particularly again, citing the age group, they can stay in those uh, sports and get experiences, the better. The final uh, sort of point of this particular ramble while I'm thinking about it is uh, Cameron Knowles, obviously a very good friend of mine, went and played, had a seven year professional career in the MLS before uh, injury curtailed that. He's now coaching over there at Portland Timbers. There's a great masterclass with Cameron on the website. Played, uh, played a very high level of cricket right up to 15 or 16 and didn't really make that choice to commit to football till around 15. So again, another example, youth international who had a career in the game uh, and, and had experience playing different sports through his teenage years. And it certainly uh, wasn't something that was detrimental in his football career. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's lots of golden nuggets in there. I think that when we're talking about children, it, it's dangerous it's really dangerous to, to say or for them to identify as a footballer at 12. Mm. Um, and we've got, you know, we've got some stuff uh, around this with Susie Brown, but that, that identity that at 12, I only play football and I don't play the sports because I'm a footballer. You know, Harry Kane doesn't play rugby, so why, why would I? So as a coach, we've got to kind of check ourselves there and make sure the kids understand that they're still kids. Like even if they're in high performance settings, it's okay for them you know, once a week to go and play another sport. In fact, it's probably mm. better than okay. It's really good. <laughs> um, and and that, that might kind of, again, switching that, that lens, I suppose, we talk about a lot that as a coach, as an adult, you'd say, you know, we've got to do loads of football and, you know, you missing a session will be horrific and you missing a game would be the worst thing ever. Whereas actually, it probably won't make that much difference in, in the, in, you know, when you zoomed out in the, in the scheme of their long-term development. Um, and that, that's, yeah, that's a skill, I suppose, as an adult coach to switch that and say, what would I have done when I was 11 and 12? Well, I probably would have done whatever I wanted to do in terms of what sport to pick and where to go and whether that was with my mates or whether I thought I had a chance of, you know, um, competing to get success or whether it was just really, really enjoyable for them. And then, like you said, I think it kind of comes to a natural um, climax, like mm. it comes to a natural decision. You talked about people making decisions around 15, 16. I think there can also be a link with the education piece. So, yeah. you know, certain colleges or certain schools or 
you know, I can't do this many um, qualifications and do my professional sport. And, you know, I think as adults, whether you're a parent or a coach, you should just be there to support and offer advice. Maybe not always give the answers, just say, if you make this choice, you'll go here. And if you make this choice, you'll go here. Um, and maybe help the kids understand, um, yeah, whilst keeping that kind of um, funnel of experience, I suppose, mm. as, as open uh, as long as possible. So, yeah, keep, keep kind of checking ourselves as adults what, what, we, what we would have done. 11 and 12 we maybe not give them the answers just um yeah the the the, the um the options if you go this way and the options if you go that way will, will be slightly different and and you know that would be probably a more serious conversation at 16 than it definitely would be at 10 at 10 do whatever you fancy like mm. experience it all and, and see where you go definitely and i think this goes back to what's the purpose of sport you know why are these kids signing up that you know we know that 98 99 of kids that play sport won't go on to be international performers. Now, lots of them will have dreams and ambitions. We've got to encourage that. So many great things we can learn through all sports. But the reality is the more diverse experience they have, the more engaged they stay in sport, then we're talking about broader things like public health and well-being and all of these things that are so prevalent and important in terms of developing people. And sport can be that vehicle if it's done right in terms of the way we create environments. We know that through PDP members, for example, the bulk of our members are grassroots coaches working in community programs, grassroots clubs or technical directors and these kind of things of clubs, running programs and running teams. Uh, where it's most likely that most of those kids are just there to socialize, to have fun with their friends, to learn new skills, all of these things, which again, the research is suggesting. So I think there, there can be uh, at times that misconception, maybe due to the work of Ericsson and this 10,000 hour rule that came out a few years ago and was obviously uh, made very popular by Malcolm Gladwell's work, that they have to do the hours and they have to sort of uh, win the race and, and, and out-train everybody else their own age. Um, and I think there is merit in being committed and doing the hours and training if you want to be great at anything. I think we can't discourage hard work and, and that sort of determination, perseverance piece because they're great character traits to be developing in our young people. But at the same time, we have to be thinking, well, what's, what's the purpose of our sport? What's the purpose of our club? And what's the purpose of this team? And then really work backwards from there because Again, even, even in academy football, you know, I've had conversations off the record with coaches that challenge the value of the foundation phase because is it putting pressure on young players too soon? Is there churn with players coming out of professional academies at under 12? These are all discussions and debates that happen in the world of academy football when you're talking about clubs that are well-resourced and might have the opportunity to have a lot of contacts and you see kids that can, I guess, be adversely affected through the pressures that happen so soon in those environments and there's you know, plenty of commentary on social media around the, the pros and cons of those programs. But generally, clubs that I've seen and talked to and been lucky enough to interview uh, through PDP, there's an amazing amount of great practitioners working in those academies exploring these things. Do we want to bring in some tennis or some rugby or some wrestling or something else to, to diversify our program? And if it's good enough for top youth academies, then for me, it's good enough for grassroots clubs to be doing. Um, something I used to do at training when I first started coaching was take a rugby ball down to training every now and then and just do a warm-up playing touch rugby. You know, we do 15 minutes, great way to get warm, switch on, do something fun, and then we're into football. Like, nobody lost anything through playing a bit of touch rugby for 15 minutes, you know. And, and I'm, I'm not I'm, uh, a huge fan, so I might be wrong, but every cricket team I watch, they warm up playing football. That's like, right. They, they get the ball out and they, they use the wickets or whatever for goals and they're having to the keep yeah. about. And, it, it, you know, we recently, or I recently went and watched a, a cricket coach work and we were kind of comparing the, the kind of S&C and the warm-ups because the cricket guys went straight into a game of football. No mm. dynamic stretches, no, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no lines of cones. They got a ball out there, two teams, 
and they were smashing each other and it was that was their warm up and then they played cricket so you know if that, that's okay for professional cricket players it's probably okay for for small children yeah, look, it's a really interesting topic. And, and as we sort of alluded to, there is some content on the site, great article called The Perils of Specialization uh, from John O'Sullivan from a magazine edition a number of years ago. We've got the four benefits of functional movement from James Vaughan, uh, as well as a recent masterclass with John O'Sullivan. We did touch on this again. It's an area that he's written a lot about over at Changing the Game Project. So it's something we need to be mindful of. I think going back to the question for Stuart, allow this player to go and have some experiences, allow this player to be a kid. As you say, go and climb trees, play rugby, whatever that other sport is, and just just make sure you're communicating. I think as long as the player is committed to turning up to training, whether that's one session less every week to go and do rugby training, it's not going to have a, a massive impact down the line. As long as that player is still enjoying sport and staying engaged, it's pretty key. Dan, any any yeah. sort of final thoughts to wrap this one up for us? Yeah, it's a bit of a controversial one. Like we we both do this, and maybe we should catch ourselves doing it. Constantly talking about kids as players. So we're yep. saying the player should do this, the player should do that. And maybe if we switch that language to the child or the kid, yeah. then we would, we would have a different, um, we'd have a different worldview, wouldn't we? If we said, you know, mm. uh, the child wants to play rugby, he'd probably check yourself and say, well, that's okay, rather than the player. Because he's, he's not a player, is he? He's a, he's a 12-year-old. And especially if, you, if you're working in that um, recreational, um, you know, sport for all type environment, then, then that's an interesting kind of... Um, piece to check yourself you know is he a player or is he someone that plays football because you know, there can be different things <laughs> yeah well that is just as a final thought from me that's just made it reminded me about my uh sort of I guess I wouldn't say hatred it's a strong word but my the, the fact that I really do not like the word produce and product when it comes to youth sporting programs I think when we continually look at our this program's produced this person or this player's a product of this program. For me, that's that's pretty flawed. I know Jimmy Vaughan would have some strong views on that from the PDP research perspective as well in terms of motivation and, and so on. But I think we, we cannot, it's a really good point from you to finish that we have to remember these are children, they're playing sport, they're having their experience. So really, really fascinating question. Thanks to Stuart for sending that through. Dan, I want to thank you for your time. Another really good chat. Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? Speak to you soon, mate. Excellent. We'll look forward to another Player Development Project Q&A very soon. Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.